This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 130 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest this week is Kiesens Phillips. She's Deputy CISO and Head of Threat Management for New York City Cyber Command. As one of the leaders of a team of cybersecurity professionals working to strengthen and coordinate the cyber defenses of one of the largest and most important cities in the world, she shares valuable insights into managing the scale of the responsibilities she and her team hold, the techniques she advocates for staying ahead of the threats, as well as her thoughts on how best to prepare for a position in the industry. Stay with us. undergraduate. I was a computer science major, always had an interest in reverse engineering. Uh, At the time, we're not much like the hype at the moment. So I decided to do some research around cybersecurity or information security at the time, uh, how we referred to it. And um, I think what made me gravitate towards it is I felt as though I can merge somewhat of this investigatory root cause analysis, looking to reverse engineering how things happened with um, a field that was looking to basically try to identify uh, bad activity, bad actors, et cetera, really thought that it could be applied uh, very nicely with, with cybersecurity. I spent uh, about six years with the Federal Reserve working on our National Incident Response Team. Uh, I worked for uh, a startup providing threat intelligence to major financial institutions. Also spent about four years with Barclays, the financial firm, heading up the incident response team there. Uh, And then most recently, obviously, for about two years here with New York City Cyber Command. So can you give us some insights into what your day-to-day is like there at the New York City Cyber Command? Sure. So I guess background on New York City Cyber Command, um, we were newly formed about two years old in July. And one of our mission is to basically centralize cybersecurity initiatives for the city. And when I say the city, that is over 8.6 million residents and then also over 150 agencies and entities that we service. So uh, on a day-to-day basis, I head up our threat management function, and that is pretty much encompassing of our security operations center our incident response team, our cyber threat intelligence team, and lastly, our counter threat automation team. So leading all of those initiatives or an effort to properly detect and respond to any type of adversary or anomalous activity within the city. Can you give us a sense for the scale of your organization and also the threats that you're dealing with? I would say the threats that we encounter are across the board. Um, By nature, New York City is dealing with so many different verticals. So if you think about healthcare, education, financial, uh, health and safety, et cetera, uh, we deal with it all. So obviously the threats that are imposed upon these different verticals, we see them all. One thing that we try to do is really understand all of the different verticals within our city, all of the different business processes, et cetera, so we can really try to do proper threat modeling, really understand the different adversaries that are targeting us, what type of actors, what type of activity we're seeing. So to answer your question, I, I think we see a plethora of activities and actors that are targeting us, whether it's you know actual targeting or just by way of 
you know, larger campaigns and, and things that we're seeing. Uh, from a scalability perspective, we won't talk about numbers, but New York City Cyber Command is, is growing 100% year over year. And that hmm. is really to... Um, to fulfill our mission, to be able to centralize all security initiatives within the city, uh, we're working with so many different agencies to change the culture um, and really thinking about full visibility across the city. So one that is a huge feat to be able to build the infrastructure to take in all of that telemetry, uh, you know, that's in the petabytes. And to be able to build out a program to effectively and efficiently, because resources are finite, to properly detect and respond to those threats in a meaningful time frame. I'm curious, for you as a leader, um, how do you approach a, a challenge that is this large in scale? You know, New York City is... A, a, like you said, a, over 8 uh, million people. It is a huge city. It is an important city. Uh, and so that's a big task that you have in front of you. How do you wrap your arms around that? Piece by piece, I would say with a lot of strategy, with a lot of focus on what is our objective. Uh, we don't want to boil the ocean and we want to set meaningful targets year over year. Obviously, we want to protect the city from any type of threat. Uh, so that's why I mentioned earlier, we start with our threat modeling. We start with baselining our organization. We start with really trying to under identify and understand our network and what we're protecting. A huge piece of the puzzle is visibility, right? Because we can't detect or respond to what we can't see. The partner group that threat management works with, Security Sciences, uh, we've been working together on somewhat of a log management work stream where we're really trying to build the infrastructure, as I mentioned, to be able to scale, to meet the demands. Part of this effort is to really ensure that we have the environment that can take in all of this data. So we call it like our data highway um, to really put in proper sensors, one, working with all the agencies in different types of environments, different types of technology stacks. So that's a huge feat. Uh, and then ensuring that once we do have that data in a secure fashion, that we can then, you know, put in all of the proper content engineering, we can pull all, put in all of the proper metrics to be able to determine that, you know, we are moving at the pace that we think we are. We are uh, identifying and detecting the things that we want to be able to see, you know, to how effective are our use cases. Internally, we, we have somewhat of um, a metric to measure ourselves. And, and one of those things that we use f each fiscal year is objectives and key results. And we really try to key in on what we're trying to meet each fiscal year. And across the organization, we ensure that there are accountable executives and responsible executives to ensure that we're meeting each of these objectives. Uh, so we try to ensure that across the organization, we're all working towards the same mission instead of somewhat being decentralized as an organization. Yeah, I, I can imagine it. It must be really important, but also challenging to uh, have all of this happen in a collaborative way. I, I could I could imagine it would be very easy for different um, parts of the city, different organizations in the city to, uh, you know, kind of um, feel like they want to insulate themselves. But but that's not going to work with this. You, you all have to be able to collaborate with each other, communicate, share information. Uh, you're all in this together. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we look at 
things as though uh, security is a we problem down to the user, right? Everyone says that the user is the weakest link, but it takes a village somewhat. Uh, so <laughs> it, it does take a, a fair amount of socializing uh, to ensure that we are all on the same page with the mission that we're trying to fulfill. And at the end of the day, no matter if you are an end user or if you are a commissioner in a specific agency, uh, we all want to ensure that there is a certain amount of um, security in place and not to get in the way of any of the business processes or practices, but we want to ensure that security enables the business to continue to be productive. And, and as we've seen with the threat landscape, that security can be, or if, if there is a lack of security, it can disrupt the business. So we want to ensure that that doesn't happen. And I think that is a shared goal between uh, ourselves and all of the agencies that we're trying to protect. I want to uh, to talk specifically about threat intelligence and, and how you all use threat intelligence there. I know something that is important to you is this notion of operationalizing threat intelligence. C- can you walk us through, what are your views there? Sure. I think oftentimes we see Intel as a small piece of a security program. And although there is a lot of discussion around intelligence-led response, I find it in many cases not well exploited in the positive sense of the word. Hmm. Uh, when we think about operationalizing threat intel, we consider the entirety of the incident life cycle. So from preparation to post-incident response uh, and embedding intel into that life cycle. So what that means for us is pretty much ensuring that at each stage of our incident management process, Intel is actively informed or informing. So being that we have a common structure for incident management, we are able to plug in how Intel works at each of those stages, how it correlates with the work that incident responders are doing. Right. So, for example, at the preparation phase, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we conduct threat modeling, we baseline our network and business processes, we develop a common method to track incidents and categorize threats. Uh, hmm. Some of this is a byproduct of our incident management guidance and our incident response plan, but it's important for the success of the Intel program. So other things that are important are like strong analyst notes. Right. So what we've done is implemented a QA process to ensure that the analyst notes regarding the way incident has been handled, any of the artifacts around it, any of the uh, information around the user, the type of attacker, etc. All of those notes are very strong. So at the point when Intel is then extracting that information to build out patterns and trends, etc., there is quality data coming into that collection process. Let's continue down that path. I mean, when we're talking about turning incident data into intelligence, um, how do you go about that? I think one is we review past attacks. So we want to identify what IOCs were involved, uh, what steps did the adversary take, how many stages of the attacks were observed, uh, where did we detect it. That's, That's one piece that we focus on quite a bit because we're always looking to see how we could have detected something sooner. Obviously, that is important not only from a detection and response perspective, but also an intelligence perspective. Uh, We want to uncover systemic attacks or identify any type of attacks. This is important also for 
the breadth of agencies that we service. We may be able to impart uh, where specific attacks are seen within which vertical. And a lot of times when you just have this data sitting within your incident management system and you're not looking at it over a specific or a longer period of time, you may miss out on some of those trends. And, and then, uh, I mean, it, it all sort of has to feed back on itself, right? It's 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 a circle because when when you get to uh, the end of your analysis, that goes back into that informs how you go back to the beginning. We think about it the same way, you know. Whenever we're doing, let's say, a post incident response, we're looking at. Um, when do we detect this? You know, which of our technologies detected it? Uh, did we see it across the board? You know, what do we know about the attacker? What do we know about the the, the activity or the user, et cetera? And that, as you mentioned, goes right back into the collection process for intelligence or even for uh, honing our detection mechanisms, um, putting in new configurations, uh, allowing us to create different content or, you know, uh, more granular content. Maybe maybe this is telling Intel the types of adversaries that we're seeing, and they might be able to tie that to a specific strain of malware, et cetera. So there's a lot that could be gleaned from any type of post-incident response and how mm-hmm. that's fed into intelligence. And then what we can then also provide back to the community that may not be readily available. What are your recommendations for organizations who are just getting started with threat intelligence? How do you think they should approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, one, they should want to try to identify what it is that they're trying to do. So I think Intel at a high level is very well understood, um, but applying Intel to your program, to your organization is very different depending on where you are. Uh, So if you're looking to operationalize your Intel the way we have thought about it, then I think it's very useful to take a look at how Intel can be embedded into your life cycle. Um, Where is it that it can actually be embedded. And you don't want to boil the ocean. So let's say a lot of times people have a stream of data coming in that is considered to be intelligence. Um, But these might come in your very well-known forms of IP addresses and domains that are considered to be bad. But that alone is helpful, but doesn't provide a ton of context. So if you now know that this IP is related to this type of attacker, but this type of attacker is part of this group and they typically target this type of organization, then that gives you a little bit more to go off of. So I think one of the easiest ways for organizations just starting out is to one, have some type of platform, let's say, you know, like where they can collect all of uh, this threat intel information. So your typical threat intelligence platform or tip, um, that is usually one thing that allows them to at least consume it into one place because believe it or not, a lot of people are still using spreadsheets and or Google Sheets, et cetera, wherever your platform mm-hmm. is. And that, although helpful, doesn't allow you to do this work at scale, right? 
So I think it's also helpful to build out some type of framework. Um, I would imagine that any type of organization that is just starting out with Intel would hopefully have already spent some time thinking about their incident response plan, has already thought about detection mechanisms and how do they respond to different types of alerts, et cetera, and seeing how can Intel at least inform any of those decisions. So that's pretty much where we started. I think over time, we really thought about this whole model of intelligence-led response and how it could truly be exploited or, or implemented within our incident lifecycle, but it definitely have to start small because there's such a large data set out there for what is considered to be Intel. You know, it strikes me that being in New York City, which, you know, the the largest uh, city in the United States, uh, one of, if not the most uh, important city in the world, depending on how you measure it, what sort of lessons do you have, um, words of wisdom you have for those smaller cities around the nation and around the world uh, who look to New York City as a as a mentor, as a, as a place to draw inspiration from, to draw guidance from? I think everything we do, we're looking at somewhat of this uh, public good mission, whereas mm. uh, maybe because of the, the size and breadth of New York City and the size and breadth of our program, uh, we want to be able to provide a lot back to the community. We want to be able to, wherever we've spent a lot of time coming up with a strategy, coming up with a framework or a model, et cetera, we want to be able to put that out there and allow that to be somewhat of a blueprint for other cities to follow or other smaller municipalities. Many municipalities share a lot of the same challenges. <clears throat> so we can absolutely build some some of these models based on our infrastructure, based on the uh, operationalizing of threat intelligence within our incident life cycle, we can we can package a lot of this up and allow other municipalities to use it as a model, even if they don't completely replicate it. To answer your question in particular, what words of wisdom do we have is really understanding the business that you're in. I would say that the reason why a municipality is somewhat unique is that at the end of the day, we have to uh, provide a service to our residents. And how can we do that without securing the technology that they've grown to depend on? So if we think about uh, complete cyber resiliency, uh, it's very helpful for municipalities to really think about where are their critical services and what are the dependencies and what are the residents completely reliant upon? You know, you've seen in the in the news where, you know, some destructive type of attack has crippled some cities for X amount of time. Mm. Uh, and I feel as though if there was a fair amount of research into around cyber resiliency in the services that are critical for the residents and really unpacking uh, the applications that are reliant on some of the technologies and that would allow them to really have this risk-based model to determine just because resources is always a constraint mm -hmm. and whether that be 
uh, financially or just because there's a finite number of people who can work on a specific project, that would allow us to really hone in and say, okay, we know that we have 20 critical services that absolutely cannot go down. And how can we focus on protecting those? And not that the rest of the environment is not important, but at least that allows you to come up with some type of model to influence or inform your executives on how to make certain decisions based on the criticality of a service that your residents rely on. Because if we're not serving the residents, then we're not doing our jobs. I, I want to swing back around to, to where we started, which is uh, uh, some personal uh, things about you. I, I'm looking uh, particularly um, for words of wisdom you have for that um, that student who's coming up, who's looking for a career perhaps in cybersecurity, who, who would look at someone like you as a mentor, as an inspiration um, do you have any guidance for someone in that position? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I say probably often is POC your skills. And we use POC pretty often in, in technology, and it's, it's really just a, a term for proof of concept. And hmm. the reason why I say that is because you can have all the education in the world, but what can you do? Uh, so People, especially in this industry, uh, especially because cybersecurity has transitioners, if you will, from other types of technological backgrounds, it's really important to see or to show what you've done. And I think that helps to, regardless to your educational background, that that helps for any, let's say, your interview or any organization that you're looking to go into to see, you know, what you can actually do, uh, hmm. how you've taken one problem and the solution maybe that you've come up with and you've been able to, how you've been able to add some value to the cybersecurity industry, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that is hugely beneficial. And not only is it helpful for others to see what you've done, but it's helpful for you to continue to hone your skill set uh, because everything seems like something until you get into it. And uh, we all know that with any type of exercising, you know, theory is theory, but in practice, it's very different. Uh, right. The stress level is very different. Uh, the learning curve is very different. So putting yourself in that position where you're ensuring that you can stand the test of times and, and you have what it takes to actually do this, or or maybe you decide that this is actually something that you don't want to do. I think POCing your skills and, and working on those projects and putting them out there for other people to to the critique is a very helpful practice. Our thanks to Quiescence Phillips from New York City Cyber Command for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Monica Tadros, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 